0: 26.
1: center of what Jesus did for us, and we've come today because of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is here among us, and we just welcome each of you today that we might open the Bible together. Yesterday morning, you may not have been here when our brother Jeff began these services. In his opening words, he began talking about a cold, dark dungeon of a prison cell, And a man that was chained in that place, and his name was Barabbas. And he could hear an uproar, but he could barely hear the words. But as typical to you and I, when someone says our name, we hear that. He wasn't quite sure what was happening. But pretty soon he was taken out of that cell, and those chains and those shackles hit the pavement and he was told that he was free to go. As you look at the New Testament, there's sometimes there's people's names, men's names, that begin with the Hebrew phrase, or the Hebrew word, Bar, Barabbas is one of those. Bar, Abbas. What is Abbas? Father. Barabbas means the son of the father. And, and Hebrew scholars tell us it also can be another combination of phrases where he was the son of a rabbi, Barabba. And so he was either the son of the father, meaning a son of God, or he's the son of a rabbi, a Jewish leader. And it tells us in the descriptions, there are several places that it talks about Barabbas. And it says that he was a a notable or a notorious prisoner. It says he was there because he had committed murder in the insurrection. And what it was referring to the insurrection here was those Jewish men who took it upon themselves to say, we are so done with the Roman government occupying our land. And they had rose up in armed attacks and had committed murder and killed some of the Roman soldiers, and so he was placed in shackles and chains as an insurrectionist. He was also called a robber and a thief. When the chains fell off, from here on now you just need to go with me with imagination, because we don't know anything else about Barabbas after that moment. But he was not just some mercenary. He was not just from some foreign country. He, this was his home. He had, he, had rose, he had organized people to fight against the Romans. He had connections. When he walked out of that place, he was in his home city or home area. And he had connections. He had people that he knew. And maybe he could, the first thing he would think about when you get out of prison, what would be the first thing you might think about? I want something to eat. And he knew people. He could go somewhere and say, Could you do you have anything? Do you have any bread? Do you have anything? I've been starving in this prison. And he went and found something to eat and pretty well, pretty quickly got the the idea that, you know, this is Passover. He understood what Passover was. He understood why all the extra people were there. He also knew that that Jesus was, who had just been the one who was going to be crucified in this place, but he knew that these things were happening. There were a lot of people there, and a lot of people that he knew. And maybe he ended up at Golgotha, among all of his friends and all of his relatives. In Luke chapter 23, he may have been there for part of the time. As the Roman soldiers brought these three that were to be crucified... And each one was crucified and there was a man on each side of Jesus Christ at a place called Calvary. Luke 23, 34 simply is this. That during the process of crucifixion, Barabbas may have heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And maybe on the one hand he would say, wait a minute, these Roman guards know what they're doing. But on the other hand, you might have thought, who thinks about forgiveness when they're being killed? Some moments later, or hours later, one of the malefactors, one of the ones being crucified there also, was railing on Jesus. If, you, if you're the Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? And the other man looked at him, wait a minute. We belong here. But he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. Did Barabbas hear these things? Hear these conversations? I don't know. But the man turns to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise if Barabbas was listening to these things he had to wonder who is this Jesus this one that was taken in my place the chains were taken off of me because of this man and he's still rubbing his wrists and his ankles knowing that he could have been crucified seven weeks later and one day is Pentecost turn in Acts chapter 2 seven weeks he's there he's among his friends he's among his family those he had organized with and maybe they were involved with organizing other acts of insurrection we don't know seven weeks go by the day of Pentecost comes And men began to preach. And some thought they were drunk. They were speaking in in all these different languages that they were being heard in different languages. And this incredible speech of of Peter occurs here. It's his sermon, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And we're just breaking into what he said. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now as you listen to Peter's words here... Hear it from the words, from the ears of Barabbas. And Peter had just said, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, Barabbas was one of those men of Israel. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and sins, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. And Barabbas knew these things. Maybe he'd even seen these things. 23, and him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And Barabbas is thinking, I was released from prison and chains and shackles from the foreknowledge of God. that God was thinking so much about me that he included me in this, these events. And I went out of prison because God was thinking about me. Hear all this from Barabbas' ears. 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it, and that during the 50 days period he had probably heard that Jesus... Was not in the grave. That he had, he had arose. And, and people had seen him. And there were 500 people that had seen him. And he probably knew some of those people. And maybe he was even hit there. And saw and heard Jesus Christ. Alive after he had been crucified. Skip down. To verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know. Assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus. Whom ye crucified. Both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation and they were baptized and there were 3,000 people added unto the church that day and it says in 43 and fear came upon every soul the idea is that everyone in Jerusalem was very aware of what was happening and maybe Barabbas also heard and was aware and, and heard this sermon. And it says that they also, first 47, the praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. There was a period of time there of tremendous growth and so many thousands of people came to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we don't know if Barabbas was there. But we trust that we read these words, that we have the ears of a Barabbas. and we know that we can be saved from prison of sin by believing and understanding that Jesus died upon the cross, but He rose again. I want to go to prayer. Ask our brother Byron if he would lead us in prayer. If there, are prayer requests upon your heart today. Testimonies or praise reports.
0: Yes? Her granddaughter um, is facing her third
1: chest surgery in November and is struggling with lots of and Just pray for peace and comfort. they wait. Granddaughter facing another surgery. <clears throat> Continue to pray for her condition and for peace of her heart. Others? Brother Byron, would you lead us in prayer, please?
0: 861. And let's do um, 1, 4, and 5. <clears throat> My heart was distressing
1: We've had uh, Brother Jeff Davidson and his family here that, uh, over the weekend. We've just been really praising the Lord for the, the thoughts and the messages that he's brought to us, and just we're just glad to have them here among us for a few days. So Brother Jeff is from the Grandview, Missouri congregation, and we welcome you, and we just pray the Lord's blessing on you as you open up the word.
2: Thank you, Brother David, and thank you to each one gathered here. We heard this morning about joy, and there's joy in gathering in the assembly as well, with the full number. It was definitely, definitely a privilege to be here this weekend. We've been blessed. We've been very blessed. Thoughts this morning we have in our message, and I would have done well to just sit and listen to Brother David expound on Barabbas. Another story of redemption, and the title for this message is A Straight Road from Crooked Paths. A straight road from crooked paths. And our thoughts come from Luke chapter 16. The 16th chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 13. And this is a very unorthodox parable of Jesus. It seems like there's irony there. It seems to be there's contradiction. How can a godly example be gained from unjust actions? How can that be? And as we read this, understand that Jesus is not desiring for his followers to emulate the unjust behavior... And there's plenty of it here. Every character seems to be unjust. There's plenty of it here. But rather, we are to be challenged to exercise the zeal that is shown and that zeal for our future and for eternity and for fellowship with fellow man. Let's read the text. Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him... And said unto him, How is it that I can hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, as we read through this text, we find a man that's caught in a street. He makes decisions out of desperation. He finds himself in a position. He has squandered his Lord's goods. He has squandered the trust of his master. And he's in a position. He's looking ahead to an abyss. You know, oftentimes, an accountant such as this would have had a home on the estate of his master. And he's going to lose that. He's going to lose his job, his home, and his reputation. He says, what shall I do? Where can I go? You know, we are like that man. As Brother David shared the thought of Barabbas this morning and and expounded more about him and the likeness we have to him in our estate, we are like that man. Apart from Christ, we are in a very desperate situation with a very bleak future as well. But the Lord commends him, and there's three things I would like to gather from the actions of this man the first is to secure our future second is to invest in the kingdom and the third is that there be no neutrality in our commitment the first thought I have of securing our future you know it says in John 419 the latter part of that verse Jesus says because I live you live you shall live we have the opportunity to secure our future in Jesus Christ We know the ways of sin is death, and just as this desperate man is, we are are in a lost estate. And the wages of sin being death is also the second death that we face, a spiritual death. The first death pales in comparison to the second death. But Jesus says, because I live, you shall live. Life beyond the grave. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Eternal life starts at our decision of faith to serve and to commit to Jesus Christ. We are eternal beings, we live forever, but our eternal life with Christ begins upon our decision. And our earthly life is impacted. It was Corey Tim Boom that spoke of her future, and she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. To trust an unknown future to a known God. You know, we, we don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know what's around the next corner in our life. But we know that if we trust the Lord, He has shown himself and proven himself throughout his word time and time again. This God has been proven in scripture. The songwriter once wrote, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews calls us and challenges us to an active lifestyle of our faith. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we won't read through it, but we are challenged in that chapter to lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees, to make up straight paths for our feet, a readiness to move forward for Christ, and to follow after peace with all men, to follow after holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. To search our hearts diligently for any root of bitterness, an active lifestyle that we're called toward. We have a future of peace in his kingdom as well. God has promised us a future of peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus we have a peace that is eternal and we have a peace that is temporal in this life as well that walks with us day by day day by day and with each passing moment the peace of Christ can reign within our heart 1 John 2.25 says and this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life we think of the release that this steward had not unlike the thought of chains hitting the pavement when he found a way he found a way for his future he found a way of peace and stability and he had an answer what about ourselves? So we found a way through Christ Jesus secondly in verse 8 and 9 of this parable the Lord commended the unjust steward and that's what's such a complexing thing about this the unjust steward is commended Not for his actions, but because he had done wisely. We're called to invest in the kingdom. First of all, we are called to invest of our time. The Bible calls us to redeem the time, for the days are evil. Our time is short in light of eternity. We're challenged to redeem the time. To redeem is to buy back. To give to the Lord the moments that we have in this life. and thoughts of others. For truly I say unto you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward and offer also the investment of prayer. The investment of prayer sets our heart upon God's will and it sets our heart on the minds of others. Prayer is a time invested for a closer connection to the Lord, time invested for others. We're also challenged to invest our resources. What did the unjust steward have to offer? It's a question and a thought in your mind. What did he have to offer? He had nothing. He, he came to himself. He was called out. He had wasted his master's goods. We think of all that we know and, and see in this world. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he gave Adam and Eve in the garden so much, and they fell, and they lost it. And we have every one. There's none worthy. No, not one. But Christ. We have Christ. The unjust steward discovered he had the resources of others. And that's a challenging thought to us as well. Yes, it was others' debts, but that's what he utilized. Do we often seek out the resources of others to draw them out, that we might be found in close fellowship one with another? That's part of fellowship that can be found. When we invest in the kingdom, yes, there could be monetary investment. There could be an investment of our time, but there's investment in each other, in one another. And we were blessed by that last night in the communion tables. And we were challenged, if you recall. Brother Kidron challenged us to take the communion with us. Apply it to our home. Take it with us day by day. Monday through Saturday. Commune with the Lord and with each other. That it be active and alive in our life. There's a Greek word, I believe it's a Greek word called koinonia. Continually devoted to Fellowship. Brother David shared a little about the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were, were given of their hearts to the Lord and the Bible says in Acts 2 as well. If you missed the verse, I sh- want to share about one verse and that's, that's good. It says that they, they continued stead- steadfastly. Continued steadfastly. And David shared what was all around that as well. But they continued forward steadfast. And then the breaking of bread as well. Ephesians 2 speaks to those who have, were dead in trespasses and sins as being quickened, quickened by his mercy. To quicken means to be made alive. Now often we know mankind that looks at Christianity and looks at the church and looks like a, a dead lifestyle. But the Bible says when we're in trespasses we're dead in sin. We are dead and we are made alive when we come to Christ. The empty tomb makes alive the soul and makes alive the opportunity for a closer fellowship and for a bright future, an eternal future, and an abundant life here on this earth. Ephesians 2 even speaks of aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Is that what we are today? Are we gathered as former aliens and strangers? The Bible insinuates that we are. Aliens and strangers once, drawn nigh by the blood of Christ and by his spirit, Christ abolishes in his flesh the enmity. Ephesians 2 says he slays enmity. And he brings peace to them which were far off. And to them which were also nigh. Ephesians 4 challenges us as to how his fellowship strengthened. From here forward. Would we not like to see our fellowship strengthened? And the, and the blessing that we have with each other. Ephesians 4 challenges in all lowliness and meekness to live our lives. To live our lives with long suffering, that's, that's endued patience. Forbear one another in love. And endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And peace is a word that I found myself writing in my notes often, peace. Someone asked a man one time how he could describe his life after he gave his heart and confession to Christ and he said peace if I could sum it up in one word as peace, something I never knew and now I do, peace we're also challenged at the latter part of this chapter, verse 13 to not be neutral, no neutrality for no servant can serve two masters we'll either gravitate to the one and leave behind the other or gravitate to the other and leave behind the one, it just does not work that way It's hard for us in the flesh to see and to understand that. Someone asked a pastor one time how many members he had in his church, and it was a rather large church, he said, well, there's around 800. He said, are they all active members? He said, oh, yes, they are. I said, half of them are working with me and half are working against me. (laughs) That can be the case sometimes. But really, I believe in neutrality. The challenging thought here is inactivity passivity or indifference you might say apathy or indifference to be inactive or to be passive or to be indifferent in our walk with Christ he is our master, let's not be neutral with him we cannot serve God materialism as we share we gravitate toward one and abandon the other one to be Christian means to be a partisan for Christ that's a breakdown of the word, Billy Graham shared that one time Christian means partisan for Christ. A partisan is a strong supporter of a party, a cause, or a person. Never neutral. In this day and age, we look at the the two political parties and there's there's not much neutral ground anymore. There used to be a little bit of back and forth, but you're either on one side or the other seems to be that way. And with Christ, it should be that way. We are either with Christ or not. Let's stand for him, to be fully committed to him in our life. It is well, well worth it. Just as at the delight of the steward that found a way for his future and found a way to gain friendships, to gain habitations, we also can find that in Christ Jesus. Moses, before his deathbed, called all Israel together and challenged them. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day. I call heaven and earth to record this day before all Israel. He said, I set before you life and death. I set before you blessing and cursing. And not a blending of the two, but there was an option and a choice. There really is, no, some of a little and some of both. Choose, make a choice. Jesus grants a challenge as well in the book of Revelations to the church of Laodicea. And that's a time period where often I think we can find ourselves, in this day and age especially. The church of Laodicea, and I'll read a few verses, just four or five. Revelation 3, verse 14 Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not, that thou art wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. This is a challenge given, in the at the, the city of Laodicea, their, their water supply was a hot spring aqueduct that ran six miles, so by the time it got to the city, it was lukewarm. It wasn't really very tasteful, it wasn't really very pleasant it was a lukewarm spring. Jesus challenged us to not be like that, but to be hot or cold, useful for his kingdom. The water supplies also could easily be cut off under time of attack. And what happens to a city when the water supplies are are cut off? It doesn't last very long. There's not much defense offered there. So they were always caught in this time of indifference and compromise. If someone attacked them, they were very quick, very quick to go the way of a treaty and to compromise themselves. In this day and age, brothers and sisters, let's not compromise our faith. We're going to be challenged on every front. Christians have been since the dawn of time. Let us not compromise our faith. Neutrality will lead us to that. It will lead to a passive spirit that is often given to compromise. We're challenged to not be that way. Christ gives promises to those who are not. A lukewarm Christian has too much of the world to be happy in Jesus and a little too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. They can be among the most miserable people out there. But the Christian has all things promised unto him. The name Laodicea means the rule of the people. Are we ruling our own heart? Or is Jesus Christ on the throne? Do we as mortal man rule our own heart, or is Jesus Christ on the throne of our heart leading and guiding us? We're challenged to buy of Jesus in this in this passage at the Laodiceans. Buy of him. Gold through adversity, cried in the fire. White raiment and have, we might salve, we might see of the truth. What a challenge, but what a blessing. It's also an invitation. We look at these words as challenging, but it's, it's an invitation of Christ to our hearts and to our lives. To take of Christ. The word coupled to, together to repent is zealous. Have zeal. As we close our thoughts today and think of the redemption that's found by this unjust man. He has a temporal future found through the debts of others. Yet Jesus challenges us to find a future eternally in him, to secure our future. If we secure our future, we then have a future that is secure. That's kind of a flip on the words but we can trust in that. 1 John 5.13 says that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God to know that you have eternal life, to know it. Invest in His kingdom. Invest in the kingdom of God here on this earth in the lives of our fellow man, in the lives of our believers. See the value in others. See our necessity for them. You know, spoken about we all have diverse, diversity of gifts in our lives and it takes all, it takes everything. I have something to offer. I also have an investment to make in the life of others that gifts might be drawn out and we can be a more fully completer work together. There's there's beauty in that, in the fellowship of Christ. Continually be devoted to fellowship and flee, flee neutrality. Revelations also gives a promise it's interesting to me that as Jesus gives this, these words of, of warning to the Laodiceans, he closes with invitation. He closes with an invitation to the church, to those whom He had rebuked and chastised. He said, "I do it in love, I do it in love." And then he says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me." We just lived out an expression of that at the tables last night. Will we do it in our life, day by day, do we answer that calling, that invitation, respond to it, and flee neutrality from that time forward? Jesus also says to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. Think of Barabbas today. As was shared in the opening. Think of this unjust man and his example. That he would give anything to have a future. Even the debts of others. And yes the whole thing was crooked. But it was an example of zeal. It was an example of of grasping for a future. Grasping for promise for tomorrow. We have that in Christ. Flee neutrality and let us run to him. What shall we sing?
0: So um, let's sing it together. I am resolved now.
2: Bible likens Jesus unto a strong tower Says the righteous run into it and are safe. Um, It's been well worth being here this weekend. It's kind of tough to see something like this come to a close. But it doesn't. It does not. The communion continues forward heart to heart. We've been blessed to be here. Um, let's, Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we come to you this day. We thank you for the blessed opportunity that we've had to share here. Thank you for the singing and the worship, the opportunity to gather in your name around the tables of communion and to, to be won by you as well through Christ, that you have mercy toward us, that you bring peace to our heart, a peace that echoes forward for all eternity and gives us an abundance of life here as well. All the gifts of the Spirit, as was shared this morning about joyous as this one of, of the gifts of the spirit. You bring us so much spiritually, you bless our lives with. Pray for this congregation here at Cornerstone as well, that they labor together in, the tr- in truth and in the spirit as they move forward. Pray that they would grow and abound in you by your word. We know that your word does not return to you void as it is sent to the earth, but it accomplishes its means. Thank you for his power, for the power of your spirit as well. Help us to draw on you as the author of our faith and to to see the value in one another as you've created mankind, that we are to live for you and for each other. Forgive us of sins, Father, and help us to find the strength in you to forgive others when need be. We love you. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
0: It's been an exciting weekend to be here at Cornerstone from yesterday morning, uh, afternoon, and evening. And then again today, we begin services early. And I know the children are saying it's, it's enough church. But for some of us, it's like I could just keep on going with... With what's been presented and, and in behalf of Cornerstone, I want to thank you Jeff and Melissa, your family for coming. Uh, it's been a, a, a real joy to participate in worship with you. And we've all been challenged, to, haven't we, today with what, what are we investing back into the kingdom? Investing our time, investing in prayer, investing in each other and investing in our relationship with the Lord. And I especially took that warning to not be neutral. Stand for the right. There is a line. It's been just a real blessing to be here this weekend. As far as announcements, really just our regular services next Sunday... 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.30 for worship service. There will be a meal provided here today afterwards, and all are invited. There will be plenty to eat. We'd like for you to stay. And um, are there any other announcements that need to be mentioned at this time? Clem? So if you're uh, under my age, I don't know where that youthful spirit begins, but David. first full week of January is Youth Bible School at Berea, I assume, Indiana. Uh, Applications and information are out there on the credenza in the uh, hallway out front. Other announcements? Okay, why don't we stand and we'll have a prayer in here for the meal.